Hey everyone, Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Hey, and welcome to the short stuff. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck. Who knows where Jerry is, but this is short stuff, so it doesn't matter because we can handle it ourselves with a little assist by our friend Dave Kustan. Yeah. I don't think, do we, we don't shout out Dave enough. Not nearly enough. As a matter of fact, let's just make this episode us talking about how great Dave is. <laughs> right. The original black cowboy. That's right. <laughs> um, but totally wrong. But it was a, it was a decent attempt at a segue. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we all know the original Black Cowboy was uh, Sheriff Bart in Blazing Saddles. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that movie. That's a that's is that a good one? I mean, it's a classic. It, it couldn't be made today. Sure, but uh, you know, written by Mel Brooks and the great Richard Pryor, and uh, mm-hmm. I think there was one other co-writer. But uh, yeah, they played that for comedy in that movie. But as it turns out. There were a lot of black cowboys in the United States, and you a just lot. don't see a bunch of movies and TV shows where they're represented. Shock, shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were, I mean, there are some statistics that say 25% or more of all, all cowboys um, after the Civil War in the Wild West were these black men out there, like doing cowboy stuff, working hard, mm-hmm. roping cattle, doing mm-hmm. all the things that you see in the movies. Yeah. Uh, like the the idea from what I can tell from the research is that the popular conception of cowboys and cowboy life and what cowboys did is fairly accurate, but the the um, race of them is what was off. That that the the just the fact that black people were not at all represented among cowboys in the popularization of you know cowboy life back east um, is just that's the historical misunderstanding and that um, apparently even before the Civil War, most black cowboys, according to uh, one historian of the American West, um, most of them, most of the cowboys were black and that it was a job that was um, open to enslaved people, basically, and that if you were white, you didn't want to be known as a cowboy, that that job was potentially beneath you or whatever, even though it was all, all about Bronco busting and, you know, herding cattle and lassoing and stuff like that. All the stuff we think of with, with cowboys today. Um, but that the that transition between it being from something that may, that was like beneath a, a white guy out west to something that was a coveted title among white guys was when back east people started to hear about cowboys and say, those, that's cool. What a cool life. And then all of a sudden, white guys were like, oh, actually, I, I'm a cowboy now. You can count me in. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that name, uh, at least according to this historian, is racist in nature uh, because the the white workers wanted to be called cow punches or cow hands. Uh-huh. And the black men were called cowboys. And like you said, once they once lore hit back east, they, they jumped on that cowboy train because I guess that word took and it sounded cool. Yeah, the thing is, is I went and tried to corroborate that elsewhere because it makes sense if you take it from that standpoint that, oh, is that actually, Cowboy actually has, um, like, a, a denigrating 
origin, but I did not see that anywhere else. And I couldn't find the difference between a cow hand and a cowboy. They are completely interchangeable from what I can tell definition wise. But I don't know, maybe that just that etymology got lost to history, you know? Well, Larry Callies runs the Black Cowboy Museum in Texas in Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to credit him with saying that since he's <laughs> he's where we got it. Yep. Here, Larry, here's the limb. Let's go out <laughs> on it. So the idea of um, black cowboys um, and cowboys in general really kind of came out of this migration of um, Southerners especially, uh, Southern uh, whites moving out west to Texas uh, for the chance for cheap land, wide open spaces, uh, the promise of a, a new chance for a fortune, because the South had had really become uh, industrialized as far as agrarianism is concerned. And Texas had a lot of opportunity, especially if you were willing to push um, Spanish settlers and indigenous people from Mexico off of their land, you could really make make a name for yourself in Texas. And a lot of those um, white settlers brought enslaved people with them. Um, and they were the earliest black cowboys out there. Yeah, because what happened was, you know, you're in Texas, you get roped into the Confederacy, and then these uh, white people who moved out west go back east to fight mm-hmm. in the Civil War, mm-hmm. they left the people that they enslaved behind to, you know, keep the ranch going, basically. Right. And those that was sort of the beginning of the black cowboy movement. It really was. What's interesting is that it was triggered by the Civil War, that, that the Civil War created that kind of um, niche and, require, and need, sorry, that need for... Um, cowboys of all stripes, but that they that typically fell to African Americans um, who who were doing this work while the whites were off fighting the war, and then um, when the the war was over, when the the white Confederates came back to Texas, they were like, "Hey, I don't know if you heard or not, but we're free now, so you have to pay us for this work." And because a lot of herds had been broken up and lost, there was a lot of work to be done getting these herds back in order and getting Texas back up and running um, economy-wise, especially with cattle herding. Yeah, so maybe let's take a break, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about some of the more famous of these black cowboys right after this. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right. So if you look at the history books and TV shows and movies, you hear a lot about Wild Bill Hickok and Annie Oakley and all these sort of legendary Wild West figures. Uh, you don't hear as much about the Black Cowboys, who were also legendary figures, just in the same way, like they would, you know, some of them were bad guys who would shoot up a saloon and have a gunfight at, in the middle of the street at high noon. Uh-huh. Uh, many of them obviously were just regular cowboys who did hard work day and night uh, rustling cattle. Some of them also, Chuck, were even lawmen, too. There was a guy named um, Bass Reeves who was the first uh, African-American marshal, U.S. marshal, west of the Mississippi. And he had a 32-year career and apparently was so um, morally unimpeachable that some people insist he was the um, the model for the Lone Ranger. I know. Isn't that crazy? It is. And I have to tell you, I grew up on the Lone Ranger, the 1982 yeah. or three movie. Oh, like, oh, the movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It informed my childhood. I also watched the TV show, too, and yeah. I had, like, a play set and everything. But I, I was big movie. time into the Lone Ranger. I watched that movie within the last couple months. It is one of the most boring is movies <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. I it doesn't hold up, does it? I was like, my parents must have been like, what is wrong with this kid? This movie <laughs> is just like watching paint dry. There's, yeah. like, five parts that are that are... Uh, interesting, and the rest is like just s- slowly stringing together those parts. It's really weird, and the the chemistry is like baking soda and more baking soda. <laughs> like nobody sure has any means. chemistry in this. I, like my, it means that there's nothing happening. Okay. There's no reaction. I tell you what, I love though about that movie is that that color blue of yeah. his uh, outfit. It's the star of the movie, basically. Yeah, upon and, that, and the color of his hat, too, because it was white, but it wasn't mm-hmm. stark white. It was sort of this creamy white. Yeah, he had a, a tinge of badness to him, maybe, when <laughs> needed, but I guess not. Uh, another famous uh, black cowboy from back in the day was a man named Bose Icard. Mm-hmm. Um, he is in the on the Hall of Fame at the National Multicultural Western Heritage Museum and Hall of Fame. God bless the people who founded that. (laughs) I know. And he was the right-hand man to one uh, Colonel Charles Goodnight. He was a big, super successful cattleman in Texas. Mm -hmm. And apparently, if you've ever read or seen Lonesome Dove, Larry McMurtry's um, sort of classic Western. I never uh, have. the uh, The character of Joshua Dietz was based on him, played by none other than Danny Glover, who was not too old for that mess. Who is what? <laughs> he was not too old for that S. That's the big line from Lethal Weapon. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's I'm right. getting too old for this S. Oh, man, that was a great joke. I'm sorry I had you repeat it. <laughs> that's all right. So um, there's another one named Bill Pickett, who was a very famous uh, rodeo guy. He he was one of the first African-American rodeo 
uh, men, I guess. Um, and he invented the the sport of steer wrestling, which is where you ride up alongside a steer and grab him by the horns and drag him to the ground. Uh, a my steer. least favorite. <laughs> it's really awful, especially when you when you understand what he came up with, which is called bulldogging, where it was a technique that he would overwhelm the steer with pain by biting its lip. And he was inspired by watching dogs herd cattle. So he tried it himself. He's like, this really works. But he was a, a genuine trailblazer in the rodeo world. And uh, despite the fact that he was barred from competing in a lot of rodeos, even though he was among the best, that um, the rodeos were segregated for a very long time. And if you were an African-American rodeo cowboy, you had to compete either late at night or early in the morning before the actual rodeo started, or else you might have your own rodeo altogether. Uh, I mentioned outlaws. There was a man named uh, Isom or Isom Dart. Mm -hmm. uh, he was an enslaved person who, who went the other way, and he was a, a horse thief. Like so many other horse thieves, he would steal horses and cattle in Mexico, drive them across that big old Rio Grande River, mm -hmm. and sell them off in Texas. And like so many outlaws, he was he was shot down by a hired gun, in this case, Tom Horn. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm thinking of movies. I think there have been a couple of movies where they did represent these black cowboys, but it always seemed like these movies were sort of a, not a trick, but just kind of like a, like stunt casting. Like, ooh, we're going to make a movie with black cowboys. How different uh -huh. instead of, well, this is just a movie like any other Western because this is how it was. Exactly. And I'm sure that they were all just left out of the history books because of some oversight. But I'm glad we're here correcting it today. Well, we're trying our best. There's also, we would be very terribly remiss if we didn't mention the most famous black cowboy of all time, one Nate Love, also known as Deadwood Dick. I think he's Nat. No, it's not. I, I specifically saw in a couple of places and oh, really? verified it. Yeah, his name was, he was born Nathaniel. Um, and I guess they just didn't feel like adding the E, which is significant because he was taught to read and write despite being born enslaved. Uh, his father taught him to read and write. So he was educated enough that he actually wrote his own autobiography in 1907. I should have just kept it as 197. That sounded kind of old-timey. But, Chuck, I think you need to read everybody the um, the title and note that there is not a single colon found in it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Life and Adventures of Nat Love, and it's spelled N-A-T in his, um, the autobiography title. I swear it's Nate. Well, I'm looking at the book cover. <laughs> I know. I'm telling you it's pronounced Nate. Okay, but there is no E. I just want to point out to people. Life and Adventures... <laughs> Of blank love, better known in the cattle country as Deadwood Dick by himself, colon. A true history of slavery days, life on the great cattle ranges, and on the plains of the wild and woolly west, based on facts and personal experiences by the author. There is a colon. I thought that was a semicolon. There's always a colon, isn't there? It seems to be. But he was like you were describing, like he would get in shootouts and he was kind of known as a abandoner and outlaw in some circles. But from what I can tell, he was just a legitimate bona fide cowboy and he led a cowboy life like any other cowboy would. Fantastic. It really is fantastic. Very, very big self-promoter like so many of those cowboys back then. Yeah, for sure. They say that they're not entirely certain where fact uh it departs from fiction in, in his autobiography, but it's apparently a heck of a read, so go check it out. Um, and I guess I said check it out, which means that, that uh, short stuff is out, huh? It's out. 
Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.